Welcome back to the Young Buck Bets podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, and it's Friday, which means we have the Week 8 Final Picks pod. I'm not going to lie. I'm feeling a little bruised. I'm a little bloodied because I got beat up last night after giving out six props and putting out a podcast on Thursday for the game, and then I go 0-6. Got a couple texts today. Be like, man, how, how embarrassed are you going to be to hop on the mic today? You know what? To be honest, not at all. All and the reason is is because I officially got the shit kicked out of me last night, and it was the first time I've done that, and it's been public. I've had that before, like everybody's had that before, where they go ice cold in a day and they get the absolute piss beat out of them, and that's what happened to me last night. But it's the first time it was in a public form. Do I like it? No. But am I gonna live with it? Am I gonna move forward? Yes, because it was just I was bloodied and battered by the end of the night, and so were all the guys that I took. Robert Tunyon got hurt in the game. They kept looking his way in the red zone, but he ended up getting hurt, so he went down, didn't hit it. Ertz went down at the two-yard line and just couldn't get into the house. The next play, the Cardinals score. It's just tough when you see something like that happen. You see your guy go down to the two-yard line, and then the next, like, they're going to the huddle, and your guy's running to the sidelines. It's like, God damn it, now he's not going to score. Next play, they score. No Zachers. A.J. Dillon had a ton of chances in the red zone, but he just couldn't get it done. A.J. Green was a non-factor. But my worst picks of all time, because like I say, I am not a scumbag. I will throw my hand up and tell you when I was wrong and tell you when I messed up. My worst picks of all were Kyler Murray over one and a half or two and a half passing touchdowns. I thought he was going to get three. He didn't even get one and he looked brutal. I also had Arizona to score points in every quarter, every quarter. By the second quarter, this bet was over. It was toast. I was done. Like I said, by the end of the game, I was bloodied, I was battered, broken nose, broken jaw, limped into my bed, fell asleep, tried to recover. But this is, like, I don't know. This is a what-have-you-done-for-me league. And guess what? With a big Sunday, I could recover, and I all, be, all will be forgotten. No one will remember. I woke up this morning ready to take back all the money that Betway took from me. And it's not about how you get knocked down. It's about how you get up. And guess what? I get up with the best of them. Let's go take this money back from Betway. With that being said, I'm going to give you guys a couple picks that I have, and then we'll make the, the rest of our picks with our guest. Like I promised you guys, we got a special guest. I'm really excited about it. We're going to go through some of the games, give you some of the picks I have, give me give you some of the picks he has. He loves the props. He love he's good at he's great gambler. I, we go back and forth all the time, but here we go. Week eight final picks pod officially starts now. My first pick is on the spread. I got the Eagles minus three and a half versus the Lions. And I'm breaking one of my cardinal rules. One of my only like two or three rules of gambling. And it's not to bet on crappy teams. But I am going to go with the Eagles at minus three and a half over the Lions. Mainly because I think that this is by far the worst team that they've played against. And the two and five record the Eagles have could have been predicted from a mile away. From before the season, the 2-5 and five record the Eagles have could have been predicted. So are they a bad team? Yes, but they're actually kind of playing up to what everyone thought they would do. They had losses to the Cowboys, Chiefs, Bucks, Raiders, and 49ers. And in four of those losses, they had 21 points or more. They've only scored less than 21 points in a game one time this season, and that has been against pretty good teams. The Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bucks, the Raiders, even the 49ers have a pretty good defense. Those are against good teams. They're still putting up three scores. Yeah, they might be in garbage time, but they're playing competitive. And like I said, five losses, there's the teams right there. 
do you expect them to beat any of those teams? I don't. So guess what? They're playing up to expectations. The Lions, on the other hand, have only had more than 19 points one time this season, and that was all the way back in week one. The Lions have the 22nd ranked defense against the pass this season, and they're an all-around mess on D, allowing 28.6 points per game while only averaging 18.3 points per game on offense. Like I said, they scored only more than 19 points once, and that was in week one. That is an eternity ago in this league. They cannot score points. Jimmy Goff is a mess. The Lions also have 10 turnovers this season, already six interceptions, two fumbles, and the Eagles defense actually does well forcing turnovers this year. They already got eight picks and two fumble recoveries on the season. So with that, like the reason the reason I point out the turnovers is is if Jimmy Goff throws a classic Jimmy Goff pick, like, and when I say that, I know you know exactly what I mean, where it's not even close. It's like you, he throws it, he throws it right into the chest of a cornerback, and you're thinking, yep, there's Jimmy Goff rearing his old head again. And the Eagles get a pick six or a defensive touchdown in any type of way or set their, their offense up on the four or five-yard line. This game is over because the Eagles are going to score two or three uh, touchdowns on offense, and the Lions just can't. So you add a defensive touchdown in there for the Eagles, this spread hits e- easy, easy, easy. The Eagles are a bad team. But the Lions are honestly an even worse team. And that's why I felt comfortable taking the Eagles here at minus three and a half versus the Lions. So this is obviously going a, a little different. As you can tell, I got one more pick here before we hear from Bounty Sports. And then I will get into the rest of my picks with the guest that's coming on. Usually I start with the money line parlay. Then I go into um, the spread picks. And then I hit the dog of the week. But my next pick is the dog of the week. But guess what? I got another one for you in the second half of this. But put an asterisk on this dog of the week. Put an asterisk. Put an asterisk. If Dak doesn't play, I'm no bueno. No bueno on this dog of the week if there's no Dak. But with that being said, if he plays, dog of the week is going to be the Cowboys at plus 120 over the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Even though I I just did say asterisk multiple times there, I do think Dak is going to play. So I'm going to break it down for you. The Cowboys rank first in the league in total yards per game. The rankings are, or the Vikings are fifth. The Cowboys rank fifth in passing yards per game. Vikings rank sixth. Cowboys rank second in rush yards per game. Vikings rank eighth. But here's where it falls off. The Cowboys average 34.2 points per game, while the Vikings average just 24 and a half. Like, why is that? The Vikings are so productive. They get so many yards, but they struggle to score points with the elite teams in the league like the Cowboys, which... I don't really get. I couldn't. I, I searched. I couldn't find the reason why they're good in the red zone. They don't turn the ball over on offense. So I'm just. I'm not going to force it. And I'm just going to say, go out on a limb and say that the stats are lying to us. And Minnesota isn't as good of a team as the stats say they are. And guess what? The Cowboys, even if Dak is limited in this game, they are a great team. The Cowboys are a legitimate top five, maybe top three offense in the league this season, especially with Zeke and Tony Pollard rolling right now. And that's not even close to all the weapons they have. They got Zeke. They got Tony Pollard. They got Amari Cooper. They got CeeDee Lamb. Michael Gallup might actually be back for this one. Dalton Schultz at the tight end. He seems to be a weapon that Dak likes to use. This team can hurt you from everywhere and even on defense. They have 14 takeaways on the season, three defensive touchdowns, obviously seven of those 14 turnovers and two of the three touchdowns have come from Trevon Diggs, but that's not saying anything. That just shows he's a dominant player and he's a game changer that can take over a game. That's a guy you want on defense. I'm not taking that as a negative. 14 takeaways, three defensive touchdowns for the Cowboys defense. That is insane. They also got 10 sacks on the season so far, and if they can get some pressure on Kirk Cousins, I've watched Kirk Cousins 
a ton. He's a guy that loves to dump the ball off. I get he's looked good this year. He's thrown a little bit deeper. He's got some weapons, but it'll be a long day for Minnesota if they can get some pressure on him because he does not do well under pressure. He's very similar to Derek Carr in that sense, where but when they get under pressure, they kind of crumble. All in all, not often are you going to get one of the best teams in the league on the money line at plus odds. And that's exactly what we are getting here with the Cowboys at plus 120. I'm all over it with the asterisk that Dak plays, but don't worry, I will have a backup pick that's also going to go on the on the record. But if Dak doesn't play, it's also my dog of the week. Got a backup pick, but plus 120 Cowboys dog of the week over the Minnesota Vikings. So those two quickly before we hear from Bounty Sports, the Eagles minus three and a half over the Lions and the Cowboys plus 120 dog of the week. Bounty Sports, Dylan Kelly, take it away. If you've made it this far, thank you for listening. But let me tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Bounty Sports, the Pick'em style daily fantasy sports website and app where you can join tournaments for as little as $1. They run tournaments in NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, UFC, soccer, and even the PGA. Go on my Twitter at DylanKelly9797 and sign up using my link to let them know I sent you. And you get a free $5 when you sign up using my link. You could use that for five different tournaments and make absolute bank. Bounty Sports. Pick quick, win big. All right, as promised, I got a special guest for you guys to help me make the rest of my picks, and he is exactly that. This guy hits on an insane clip on his free bet parlays. He laces doubles into the gap in any softball league that you guys are in, and he throws darts to any green that's in your hometown. My brother, guest, Ryan Kelly. Young Buck, thank you for having me. Love the studio. Hey, first guest, I wouldn't have it any other way. It is an absolute pleasure. We're going to have probably have some good conversation here. This is going to end up being a must watch podcast i guess must watch must uh, listen you can close your eyes and pretend that yeah. you're watching, but it's more coming through your ears yes you can visualize two absolute studs sitting in a million dollar studio that may be a kitchen table and just shooting the shit so with without further ado we're going to get into the first game that we're breaking down and it is the tennessee titans versus the indianapolis colts and i'm going to go through the lines because it's actually boggling my mind Indy is a two and a half point favorite on the spread. They're minus 145 on the money line. Tennessee plus two and a half, plus 125 as of today on the money line. And the over under is set at 51. Indy being favorites, am I crazy or do I think that Betway or Bet365, the books are on crack putting Indy as a favorite here? I don't know. I think. I think they might be smoking a little funky. <laughs> However, it's got to be a lean towards the Colts being at home. The Colts have been looking okay. They've been running the ball well, but I don't know. The Colts as the favorite kind of makes me nervous, especially knowing the fact that they've already played a game this year. They played in week three. Tennessee won 25-16. to 16. Yep. They've already proved they can do it, and I know the old adage is it's tough to beat a good team twice in a row. I don't know. I think Tennessee's the better team here. I was going to say, in that saying, like, I don't think Indy has really proven that they are a good team. No. So, like, I think they are, in my mind, I believe that they are beatable twice. I'm going to roll through some stats here. Um, offensively first, uh, Tennessee averages 155.4 rush yards per game, which obviously that's just Derrick Henry doing his thing. Tractor seat coach. Yep. And then uh, Indianapolis also, though, they run the ball well too. 127.6 rush yards per game. 
Jonathan Taylor, stud. Yeah, absolute stud. Guy's been going off. I think it's either been the last three, last four weeks. This guy's been putting up 100-yard games like it's his day job, like the guy on the other side of the field, Derrick Henry. Um, the only thing that, uh, like, other than that, Tennessee is their middle of the pack in throwing. But uh, Indianapolis, they have the 23rd-ranked passing game here in this game. That's Carson Wentz for you, no? Yeah, that's Carson Wentz. And, I mean, stop me if you heard this before, but last year it tailored back to it as well. Tennessee, they can't stop the pass. They can't stop the pass. However, they stopped Patrick Mahomes. They held that offense to a field goal. So I don't really know where Tennessee's sitting and stopping the pass. I know you don't have to be a world beater to slow down Carson Wentz. Um, they, I think they have the lean even on defense. Um, Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman yep. has shown this season that it's kind of his coming out party. He yep. is for real. They, that's the old adage. Second, second year wide receivers yep. always do good. Although Jamar Chase proved that wrong. Michael Pittman is stepping into his role in Indianapolis big time. He's their only option in, in the air. Yep. And I think, you know, if you only got one, Tennessee can shut you down. I think Tennessee is kind of, they've got to prove themselves here. They've had a good run here, beating KC and the Bills back-to-back. Yep. I don't know anyone else that can that can say that. And they looked impressive doing it. They weren't fluky wins, no. right? Like, they looked no. good, They especially against KC. Like we say, they do struggle against the pass, but they, like, it, it, all stats, oh, my God, a couple, couple stutters there, eh? But uh, struggles against the pass um, all season long, but they just shut Kansas City down to three points. So are they turning the corner here? If Tennessee has as good a defense as what they've shown the last two weeks, this is an elite team. Yes. As you said earlier, the Colts, we're not really sure. In my opinion, I think the Colts are about a 500 team. Let me run you through. They have three losses, four losses this season, sorry, to the Seahawks, the Rams, the Titans, and the Ravens. Mm -hmm. So a pretty good team, pretty good list of teams that they've lost to. They're W's. The Dolphins, the Texans, the 49ers. I don't think anybody on no. this planet would call that murderer's row. No, no, I, not even a little bit. I think they're a 500 team. Yep. They lose to the teams that are good. They win the, against the teams that suck. They're going to end up 500. I'm leaning the Tennessee Titans. I was going to say, let's just take it one more time back to when they played earlier this season. Like we said, Titans won 25-16. They may have Carson Wentz's number, which honestly is not that hard to do. Carson Wentz in that game, 19 for 37, 194 yards, zero touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Carson Wentz had 194 yards. The Colts only had 265 total yards of offense in that game. So does Mike Vrabel's coaching strategy, he's just got the Carson Wentz, like he's just got his number, he's got the Colts' offensive number, like that's insane insanity. It was 25-16, he, he was 19 for 37, 194 yards, no touchdowns, nothing. I think 90. 90- Five percent of the coaches in the league have Carson Wentz's number. <laughs> yeah, might I don't think it's hard. I might have Carson Wentz's number. So I, I completely agree with you. AJ Brown's even stepping up. Last two games, just quickly, seven receptions, 91 yards versus the Bills, eight receptions, 103, 133 yards, and one touchdown versus the Chiefs. There's nothing to say that he can't do this against the Colts defense, in my mind. They are uh, middle of the pack in every category defensively. And so just like you said, I would lean all over the Titans here. Not only lean, I'm going to give my first pick of the day. How are you? Titans plus 110 because I got them. They're plus 125 now, so really jump on them. I might jump on them at plus 125 and hammer them again. They're the backup of the dog of the week, but they're our own pick by itself. Titans plus 110 on the money line all day, all night versus the Colts on Sunday. You got a pick for this game? I do. I don't have I don't have a team pick, although yep. I do like your Titans pick. I do think they're going to win. I do think this is going to be a really good game. Yep. My pick right now is we've talked about them enough. 
Derrick Henry. How yep. can you bet against this guy? Yeah. I am not going to start now. Yep. So the gambling app that I use, in my opinion, has his receiving yards set really low. Derrick Henry has been used more in the passing game this year than in years past that I can remember. Uh, 100%. His over-under is set at 13 and a half. I will, yeah, that's 13 and a that's half. That's low. What are you talking about? That's one catch, one screen pass. Nobody can tackle Derrick Henry. He could fall and reach 13 and a half. So that's let me, two dump offs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They've been using them in screen passes. They've been dumping them off. And let me give you just a couple stats here. Yep. So Derrick Henry has been over 13 and a half receiving yards five out of seven times this year. Money. The two times he hasn't been were against Buffalo and Jacksonville. The reason he was under that number, he scored three touchdowns rushing each of those games. So You know why he didn't get receiving yards? Because he was running like a maniac. Yeah, he had other obligations that day. He didn't need to catch (laughs) the ball. He just needed to walk it around. Yep. Derrick Henry is averaging 22 receiving yards per game. His his highest amount of receiving yards this year, 55. He's averaging two to three receptions a game. I love it. I love over 13 and a half. It was minus 105 when I got it. Check it. I like it as a solo bet. Yep. How 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 can you bet against this guy? No, you can't. You absolutely can't. He has proven he's gone off. And in fantasy purposes, this guy's shown that he is the number one in PPR leagues. He is the number one player in all fantasy leagues because of that uptick in usage. He's gotten receptions this year. It hasn't been seen. I think it was in like week three. All of a sudden, he had more receptions than he did all of last season yep. in week three. Yep. For some, they realized... You know what? You give this guy uh, the ball in a little bit of space, he could also run people over there, too. He is a monster. <laughs> yeah. That one dread, I think, makes him faster. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's the only guy in the league with it. So, you and know, he rocks go, with, it too. go with what works. That that might be the tightest hairstyle in the league. And I don't mean, like, coolest. I just mean, like, literally yeah. tightest wrap. His barber probably <laughs> makes a nice penny. Yeah. So, the picks for that game, I got Titans plus 110 on the money line. And you were Derrick Henry over 13 and a half receiving yards. Perfect. So, there we go. There's the two picks for that game. On to the next one, and it's the Chargers versus the Pats. I said to you on Tuesday, I really don't want to bet this game. I really don't want to bet this game. I have to bet this game. It's going to be an absolutely great game to watch, and I'd just be I'd be pissed at myself if I didn't have it on my TV. So to start off the lines, New England is plus 175, dog on the money line. They're plus 4.5 on the spread. Los Angeles Chargers, minus 4.5 point favorites, minus 215 on the money line. Um, Ryan, you got any thoughts on this game as a New England Patriots fan? Yeah, so I had a little bit of hesitation coming on this podcast and breaking down a <laughs> game in which I think the Patriots are going to lose. Yeah. I, I love the Patriots, and I tried to keep my biases out of this, and I I think I did. I would lean Chargers here. Yeah. How do you bet against Justin Herbert? Justin Herbert, you've talked about him. You've pumped his tires all year long. I know we had a tough week last week against Baltimore. Yep, right before the bye. But you yeah. know what? He's he's going to have a bad game here and there. Everybody's susceptible to it. Baltimore has proven they are dominant on both sides of the ball. I think Herbert has a real good bounce back here. I think they take the Patriots, and I hate saying that out loud. Well, absolutely. I, I completely agree. Baltimore's proven that if you're going to have an off game against a team, it can be against a team like the Baltimore Ravens because they got a coach that's been in the league, John Harbaugh. Maybe you've heard of him. He's been in the league for a little bit. He knows how to game plan against anybody, let alone a second-year quarterback. As good as Justin Herbert is, like you said, I love this kid. I want that. I want. I want Justin Herbert to invite me to a sideline, and I'll just stand there with a sign that says, "I love this kid." I would be his like, water boy. Oh, dude, I would do anything this guy asked for free. He wouldn't even have to pay me. I love Justin Herbert. I had to do it. I didn't. I didn't talk about him on Tuesday, so I had to talk about him today. I'm going to roll into some stats quickly about this game because they did 
blow my mind a little bit, and then I'll tell you why I think they did. So the Chargers averaged 24.7 points per game. I thought they averaged more. They seem to put up 30 a week. That's uh, it's not a bad no, amount because no, yeah. when you look at it, the Chargers have had a tough schedule just to kind of piggyback off your points yep. there. Their last six games, Washington football team, Dallas Cowboys, Kansas City Chiefs, the Raiders, the Browns, the Ravens. So I think to average 24 points per game yep. against teams like that, you got to be happy. And, and they came out of that four and two. I had yes. we, This is why we're brothers. We're on the exact same page. Uh, the Chargers, yeah, Dallas, KC, Raiders. Browns, Ravens, they're all, I'm pretty sure all of those teams are either four and two or five and two. Knocking on the door for playoffs. Other, other than teams. Kansas City. Other than Kansas City, I am just throwing them out the window. I said a couple weeks ago, you can't throw teams out the window too quickly. Two weeks later, I'm throwing Kansas City out the window. But those are two great teams, or all uh, six great teams, and they're four and two. And like you said, they're doing well. They're great at throwing the ball, but they can't rush the ball well. And that's kind of hurt them. But I, like I said, I, their defense isn't that great. So I heard this thing from Michael Lombardi, and he says they almost bait teams into scoring on them so then they could just go out and throw the ball quickly and score quick. Huck it downfield. Yeah, like you say, Justin Herbert. This is what surprised me. The New England Patriots average 25.6 points per game. Helps when you score 52 against the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. There you go. It's inflated from last week. And I was just looking at it, and I'm like, yeah, it's just inflated from last week. They played the Jets. New England stats are heavily inflated. Just like we talked about who the Chargers have played, the New England Patriots have played Miami, who's 1-6. and six. They played the Jets twice, who are 1-5, and five, and the Texans once, who are 1-6. and six. And they still have mediocre stats on offense other than the fact that they average a good amount of points. I'm sitting right here. You don't have to bury them like that. <laughs> it's Mac Jones, baby. He's not good. I'll, I'll say it every week. He's not good. Everyone's like, he's not even a rookie. He's better than a rookie. No, he's not. He's like Teddy Two Gloves out there. He's no better well, than him. He is a rookie. I love the potential you can see with Mac Jones. However, there is times where you're he's making decisions. You're like, that's a rookie. But yeah. hey, we're pa- we're Patriots fans. We're patient. We believe in our guys. Well, not we. Um, <laughs> so the the just a, a recap of this: the teams that the Chargers have played have 22 combined wins. The yeah. teams that the Pats have faced and the teams that I mentioned have three. This game, I don't understand why it's four and a half. I get it's Bill yeah. Belichick. I said on Tuesday the one thing. I don't know if you have anything to think about this. Rookie head coach, you have a they uh, Chargers are coming off the bye week. They have plan uh, they were planning against Bill Belichick all week. Does that play on Brandon Staley, rookie head coach, where he's gonna be like, I have to do too much here and it's gonna maybe blow up in their face or no? I think that Brandon Staley has proven so far he might have the biggest stones in the league. Yeah, number I've one. Said that Little too, side yeah. note. Yeah. He has proven that he can think ahead of the game. His offense is clicking. I think. That guy, rookie or not, give him time. He's going to come up with a good game plan. Now, the thing I'm going to find and pitch to you that, to me, is most interesting. How many times have you heard Bill Belichick takes away your best option? Uh, every Almost every week. Every announcer yep. says it. It yep. goes on and on and on and on. Now, the Chargers, who is their best option? So far... Mike Williams. And, and that's on the deep ball. He's Don't been him. a very good threat on the deep threat, right? So they're going to maybe take away Mike Williams on the deep ball. So if you believe Mike Williams is their number one receiver, yep. and you believe that Bill Belichick is going to take him away, is Keenan Allen for up for a big game? I got a couple stats because a lot of people have been dogging on Keenan Allen. You see ESPN coming out with a blog saying he's not a number one receiver anymore. And it's like, guys, I think you forget how elite this man's is. It's just the fact Mike Williams has been able to compliment. He's been working in the red zone. So, Keenan Allen, he averages 9.6 targets per game. Stud. 
if you're getting thrown the ball almost 10 times a game from Justin Herbert, good things are bound to happen. On Bet365, they're over-under for receptions for Keenan Allen, 5.5. Receiving yards, 65.5. For Mike Williams, 5.5 receptions, 72.5 yards. So what that tells me, Vegas doesn't even know who the number one receiver are. They're very similar stats. If Belichick and you and whoever else in the gambling world thinks Mike Williams is their number one option and he might be taken away, it might be worth looking at some Keenan Allen overs or maybe a touchdown. He's been... Scared of the end zone. He's only got one touchdown this year. But I, I you know what? I've, in, in all honesty, I've watched a ton of Chargers games, and you can watch this. He go, uh, Justin Herbert goes to Keenan Allen in every single third down situation. If if he gets Keenan Allen one on one almost any time, but especially in third down, every play is drawn up a little quick one on one move juke from Keenan Allen, and he's wide open and he gets it. The Chargers are probably going to have five third downs in this game. Yeah. That's five receptions for Keenan Allen right there. Five looks? Yes, five. Like, I think that those are great picks for Keenan Allen. I would be hammering him, too, because, like I say, I think that the big thing that the Chargers do is throw that deep ball to Mike Williams. I would hammer the under for Mike Williams for the fact that I do think Belichick's going to be able to game plan to take him away for one. And for two, he had been battling a really bad hammy injury going into the bye week. And hammy injuries just seem to linger with guys, even through a bye week. If they just linger around and it just takes one time for him to come off the line where he's just going to come up lame and yeah. there's your bet. You've heard so many times those soft tissue injuries, yep. soft tissue hamstrings. You saw it on the Thursday night or Hopkins yes. after that deep ball and stiff arm to the mouth guard. Yes. Comes up lingering with his hammy. I'm pretty sure Devontae Adams has been battling that the last couple of years as well. It's too bad these star wide receivers, they're mm-hmm. – Basically running on tree trunks. They're so jacked down there. I know. And it's the same thing in Tennessee. Tennessee was battling uh, earlier in the season. Julio Jones oh, and Jones. A.J. Brown both oh. had hamstring injuries. Like you say, big wide receivers just seem to get it. The only guy that hasn't been touched yet, knock on wood, Tyreek Hill. And if mm-hmm. and my, my little prediction, I guess this is not even close about this game, but my little prediction on Tyreek Hill, if he goes down, that Chiefs offense is screwed. Screwed, man. Do you think they were bad last week? Wait until, if Tyreek Hill gets injured, they got nothing. We will see. Hopefully, Patty Mahomes' brain isn't mush. But yeah, the last thought I got on the last thought I have on this game, um, I agree with everything you said about the Chargers leaning mm-hmm. Chargers. The line, you know, everyone seems to give Belichick the nod here, yep. so he deserves it. Yep. Um, is Jacoby Myers ever going to score? Like, would you ever bet on him? Well, no. See, I I would not. And even last week, it's funny. My my old boss, shout out Corey Tuck, my old boss. I text with him every single Sunday. And Jacoby Myers, he texted me, said, Jacoby finally gets one, and he got it taken away from a holding penalty. I'm pretty sure that's happened to him two weeks in a row. He has the most receptions of all time without a touchdown. At least he's in the books. I I guess that's a great way to look at it. I don't even have a a comeback. That is an absolutely great way to look at it. Whoever... I forget who the offensive lineman, I believe it was a holding call that brought it back. Yep. If that guy did not buy Jacoby Myers a Rolls Royce, yeah. a Bentley. Rolex. That's expensive. Something. <laughs> that guy should have buried his head in the sand. Yeah, absolutely. If not, Belichick should have cut him. Um, so anyways, because we all know how quick Belichick is with that trigger figure. But I'm not even, it's, I don't think this game's going to be close in my opinion. Um, I'm on the Chargers minus uh, 215 on the money line for the first leg of my money line parlay. And yes, you heard that right. The famous money line parlay is back. Ryan, what do you think of the undefeated and not in the good way? Undefeated as in zero wins parlay for the money lines. I heard I heard a saying and it says it goes like you're either hot or you're due. 
Yeah, you're definitely not hot. Yep, no, I'm not, Please. so I'm due. One other thing. So before we move on to the next game, I remember we've been talking like maniacs, and I haven't even given out my pick. Uh, <laughs> we're pumping up Justin Herbert. We've been pumping his tires. We think he's going to throw the ball. Um, over two and a half passing touchdowns, I got at plus 165. I believe in Justin Herbert. The over-under is 49 and a half, 50 points. It's pretty pretty high. The oh, Chargers yeah. are scoring a lot of points. Yep. I think that's going to happen. Herbert's airing it out over two and a half. Don't hate it. New England has a very mer- mediocre defense in the stats, and that is against those teams that we played against. So I, I would love that pick too. I always love passing touchdown overs, going with guys like Stafford, going with guys like Prescott, going with guys like Herbert. So I like that pick too, right? Done. Is that your last pick for that game? Yeah, last and only. Okay, so I'm on to the second leg of my parlay. I'll have it. I'll have the pick for it in this game. It's the Bucks versus the Saints. The Bucks are four and a half point favorites. They're minus two twenty on the money line. New Orleans plus four and a half, plus one seventy five on the money line, and the over under set at forty nine and a half. What do you think about this tough matchup between the Bucks and the Saints? Well, I think remembering back to Tom Brady and his Patriot days, mm-hmm. anytime they played the Saints, it was a battle. Sean Payton has coached against Tom Brady so many times; he knows how to stop him. However, that was when Drew Brees was in town. I have, I, Kate, you know what? I have it started. I have it circled. That was my main point that everybody I've listened to it multiple, multiple podcasts, multiple ESPN things. Everyone's like, Sean Payton plays the Bucks tough. Sean Payton plays the Bucks tough. He's got Jameis Winston leading the charge here. And it's not old Jameis Winston who slings it. No, he doesn't sling it at all. He's a no. shell of himself. I said that in Tuesday's podcast that I was very disappointed watching that game on Sunday. Being like, you know how much I love Jameis Winston. I was ready to move to Tampa Bay just to watch (laughs) Jameis. And it was like, I I couldn't believe it. My heart was broken. I almost never want to watch Jameis again. Plus, the Saints didn't cover against Seattle and broke my goddamn heart. So that's why I'm kind of going against them here, I think, in this one. I I would agree with you. If if Jameis can just find his old-school self and have a good old-fashioned sling-the-ball contest with Tom Brady. He got his eyes fixed. You'd think it would work. (laughs) Yeah, he got his eyes fixed. Part of the problem is, you know, the Saints are still waiting for Michael Thomas to come back. The yep. receiving core isn't really world beaters by oh, any means. Oh, dude, by any stretch of the word. So I think the Saints are going to have to depend on Alvin Kamara here a lot. I mean, when don't they? They had to big time. I think they rushed him 21 times on uh, on Sunday night or Monday night there when they played the uh, Seahawks. It's just, you know, it's not a good look for the Saints. They, no. Like I said, they don't have receivers. The Tampa Bay defense against the run. Oh, Third in the league. They only, sorry, sorry, first in the league. It, it's record setting. 67 rushing yards per game, and you're going to lean on the running back? No. And let me build off that ride. So, yeah, you're right. Tampa Bay has the best run defense in the league. New Orleans has the 31st ranked passing offense in the league. So they're not going to be able to run the ball. And are you going to ask Jameis Winston and the 31st ranked passing offense in the league to beat the Bucks? No. No. no, I don't care who the Bucks have at cornerback. They can stop Jameis. Dude, I 100% agree. If you haven't, if you showed it's 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 late enough in the season, it's been what, seven, eight, this is going into week eight. It's been late enough. If you're ranked 31st in, in passing offense at this point, that's what you are. Correct. So, you know what? I, you know what? If I, I don't want to go against, um, I don't want to go on the, uh, sorry, the spread here. I like, uh, uh, just to read off a couple stats, Tampa Bay's 3-4 and four against the spread this year, New Orleans 3-3. Three and three. That just means to me, stay off the spread. No dominant teams. It could go either way. It's a coin flip. I don't care what you say. If you say, if you have stats, it's a coin flip either way. These teams don't cover. 
very often. No, if I'm getting a pick, I don't have a pick for this game. I would pick Moneyline, and I truly believe that the Bucks are about to go on a run. They got New Orleans this week. They got the Washington football team the week after. Mm-hmm. Giants, Colts, Falcons. Dude. They might not lose no, for they another win six out. weeks. Yeah, they could win out for six weeks. And Adam. you know what's the great AB's, AB's out. They say that he Antonio Brown, he might be out for a little bit long term. Drock might be coming back. But guess what? The Bucks offense has been rolling through the injuries. The last three weeks, they put up 45, 28, and 38. New Orleans can't hang with that production. No, they're not even close. Now, just to build off what you said about Gronk. Yep. This will be maybe a Sunday morning. You know when you wake up Sunday morning, you got a smile on your face. It's football day. What could be going wrong? You start looking at your gambling app. If Gronk is back, look at the injury reports for the other Tampa Bay tight ends. Right now, O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait are both listed as questionable. So you're going to tell me they're going to have Gronk and the fourth stringer? Look at Gronk's over-unders. Take a look at the injury report. You might get better value. 100%. I, I couldn't agree more. And when Gronk's been in the lineup, Brady has loved him. Oh, we all have. Yeah, absolutely. He's been a tight end. I think before he got injured, he was tight end one in fantasy. Dominant. That's unheard of. He took This guy was like unheard of for three, four years, and now he's just tight end one. And just like, yeah, I'm just going to play again and be tight end one. Yeah, just showing up at Barstool on a Wednesday for fun. <laughs> yeah, playing some cornhole and then just showing up in week 17 and playing for the the Bucks, just whatever. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame. Winning Super Bowls. Um, I, so just to, to lock in my pick, this is the second leg of that parlay. The Bucks minus two twenty on the money line over the Saints. And don't you guys worry, we are going to recap our picks because I mean we're brothers. We're going to get talking. It's going to be a long one, and it's going to be enjoyable. So we'll recap all the picks at the end. Ryan, you got any picks solidified for this game? No, I don't. I but don't. You, but you do. You are. Do you think you would uh, lean towards Gronk overs depending on the number, yeah. or, or would you be looking unders because he's coming off the injury? Uh, if if the tight ends away from Gronk, like I said, Cameron Bray, OJ Howard, if they are out, I'm gonna look Sunday morning lean overs for Gronk. Yeah. However, I'm not gonna put that in. That's gonna be a last minute a last minute check. Let, let me put a caveat to that. If O.J. Howard is the one that is playing, I would be cautious about Gronk because last week they used O.J. Howard a lot and he looked good. They gave, gave him the ball yeah, out of space a few times and he looked athletic for a tight end. But there we go. Moving on to the next one. And we have the Who Cares game of the week. But we have to talk about it because it's the Who Cares game of the week and it needs to be talked about because else nobody else will talk about it. And it's the Bears versus the 49ers. The 49ers are four-point favorites. They're minus 215 on the money line. The Bears are plus four on the spread, plus 170 on the money line. And the over-under is set at 39. Gross. And yeah, that is absolutely, that might be one of the lowest over-unders I've ever seen. It signifies that a tornado is rolling through, but I haven't checked the weather in Chicago. Uh, and, and you know what? Even if there wasn't a tornado going through, what would this be a set at 42? There'd be one Maybe. more field goal. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, who cares, right? So I, I just want to bring up a fantasy point for this game first. Yeah. So I want to put it a, a question to you guys, question to you, Ryan. Is there any relevant start to make in fantasy football, in a PPR, half PPR, whatever, in a, in a fantasy football league other than Debo Samuel in this game? For the Bears, for the 49ers, like I'm talking quarterbacks, I'm talking wide receivers, I'm talking running backs, I'm talking about defensive players, I think, even if you have them in a game. Although, I guess defensive players are a little different depending on the, how your scoring goes. But I'm saying on the offensive side of the ball, Debo Samuel is the only guy that I would start for either team in fantasy this week. What about you? Um, He's not the only guy I would start, but he would be the strongest start. You heard on the game, uh, 49ers versus Colts. Multiple times on the broadcast, wow, they are forcing the ball to Debo Samuel. He is the only guy. Brandon Ayuk Brandon is dead. 
George Kittle out. I So I said it on Tuesday. Jimmy Garoppolo, 181 total passing yards. Debo Samuel, 100 receiving yards. Yeah. So yeah, they were fee- uh, force-feeding him the ball on, on Sunday night there. And he he's a stud. Samuel is so fast. Yep. You see them slinging balls at him. He catches them. He's got such sure hands. Yep. But battles injury. There's another guy on the 49ers. They're starting running back, Elijah Mitchell. Yep. He's a must-start for me for a couple reasons. He's got a sweet nickname, the Missile. Elijah Piss Missile. He's flying out there. His nickname's Piss Missile? Well, I'm calling him that. That's his new nickname right here. The Elijah Piss Mitchell. It's the Elijah (laughs) Elijah Missile is what you see online. So, the reason I'm starting him, over under at 40. Could it be bad weather? I was joking about the tornado earlier. I didn't check the weather network. It could be pouring rain in Chicago, meaning we're going to have to run the ball again. The Chicago Bears... 23rd in the league in rushing defense, allowing 122 rush yards per game. That's with Khalil Mack in the lineup. Who's out of the lineup this week? Khalil Mack. Oh, that's big time. And San Francisco is known for being able to run the ball right down your throat. Elijah Mitchell, I think he gets into the end zone. I think he's got a house call right now at touchdown score plus 137. I think that looks good for him. His over-under for rushing yards is 71, so they think he's going to be buzzing. I like him to get in the end zone. The Bears suck. Ride it. Yep. Hey, you know what? I would 100% agree with that. You guys know how much I love the touchdown score picks. It's one of my favorite things to do. Even though I just went 0 for 4 on Thursday night, I mean, it is one of my favorite things to do is the touchdown score picks. I love picking it, finding find value. So then uh, I don't have the props because Betway stinks. They don't put the props up till Saturday or Sunday so that you can't get true value on props. But if Debo Samuel's uh, yards are anything under 85, 90, you have to hit him. He's the only receiver in that game without George Kittle. It's just you have to hit his overs, whatever it is, and probably for a touchdown because if there's going to be one scored, it's only going to be Elijah Mitchell or probably Debo Samuel. You know, I, I think that's a good point. The Bet365 book has Debo Samuel over under 69.5. I would hammer the over. Great number. Hammering 69, Zarya. And then <laughs> Debo Samuel, anytime touchdown, plus 175. I would also hammer that. Those are great odds for a number one receiver who catches everything because that's the only guy they throw to. It is the only guy they throw to. Now, just to kind of put into perspective how garbage the Bears are, if I was to tell you a number one receiver on a team had an over-under of three and a half receptions and 40 yards, you're thinking hammer, hammer, not I'm, with the Bears. No, not with the Bears. I'm talking about Allen Robinson. This guy, uh, what I a feel fall ba- from grace. I feel bad for him. He's had great seasons in the past, and just- they were talking about him having a real breakout season coming into this year, especially with Justin Fields taking over, being like he's really going to utilize Allen Robinson. It's a contract year too. Usually, those guys get a bit of a money bag jump. Is that part of that Chicago owner's cheap? Just just roll down to the coach, say, Allen Robinson out of the game plan this year, get him back for cheap? Maybe. <laughs> maybe if I'm Allen Robinson, I'm running for the hills because the Bears are 32nd in passing yards. They average 124 a game. I'm not touching any Bears receivers. I just wanted to put it into perspective how far down this team has fallen. That's good. We're, we're done on that game. We're going to get into the next one. But for now... Let's hear from Bounty Sports one more time. If you've made it this far, thank you for listening. But let me tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Bounty Sports, the Pick'em style daily fantasy sports website and app where you can join tournaments for as little as one 
dollar. They run tournaments in NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, UFC, soccer, and even the PGA. Go on my Twitter at DylanKelly9797 and sign up using my link to let them know I sent you. And you get a free $5 when you sign up using my link. You could use that for five different tournaments and make absolute bank. Bounty Sports. Pick quick, win big. All right, we are back. There may have been a technical issue that I didn't even know about that popped up, and we had to end it quick, but we had no more picks for that shitty game anyways, did you? I'm, I talked as much as I possibly could about that game. <laughs> yeah, it was, like we said, it was the who cares game of the week. We're on to the next one where I actually have a pick, and it starts a parlay for me. I'm not going to tell you what it is until we get done, but it's the Bengals and the Jets. Bengals, they're for real. They are for real. And doesn't it feel weird to say that? In my yeah. lifetime, since I started watching football, I don't remember the Bengals being good. I remember them having Chad Ochocinco, but I don't remember them being good. No, uh, they had one year with Andy Dalton with his fire red hair leading them to the wild card game, and that was as close to greatness as I can remember the Bengals. Yeah, they were red hot that year. Strikingly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a bad ginger joke. But I think the Bengals, it's just... No questions here. I think the Bengals roll in and absolutely roll over the Jets. I actually think that the Bengals, once again, just like they did last week versus the Ravens, I think that they're going to put up 40 points or more against the Jets. The Patriots have put up, what, 51 last week? 52. 52 last week against the Jets. It's it's almost like in you go into the Jets, you smack the shit out of them, you go home. Yep, party in New York on your way out. The Jets are rated at the bottom of the league in every offensive and defensive stat. That tells you all you need to know there. That's before starting the backup quarterback, Mr. White, that's starting today. Who's never played in the NFL. <laughs> he had a couple snaps when Zach Wilson hurt his knee last week, and that went just about as you'd expect. Yeah, so that's that's what I mean. I the the over under here because that's where I'll, I'm going to be. I don't want to touch spreads. I don't know how you feel about big spreads. I've said it before. I don't really like big spreads. No, either way, like I don't like I don't like betting on a crappy team to try to beat like cover and stay within a good team. And I don't like a good team because once they get up a little bit, they might just take it off coast. Yeah, so uh, you're the same way with me. So I look at the over under here personally, and I see it set at 43. I think that's low. The Bengals could score 43. That's what I mean. I think the Bengals will score 43. If the line was set at 43 last week, the Patriots would have beat this over by what? Nine? By themselves. By themselves by nine. I think that the Bengals put up 40, and even if they put up 38, I do think rookie quarterback, whatever, you do get one score from a play, whatever, fluky play, and you probably get a field goal because he leads one drive that actually does okay. They pro Jets probably put up 10 points here. Maybe. Yo, Bengals you're not even D, sold on that. Bengals D is good in this backup yes. quarterback. Just to put it into perspective, a player prop for Mr. Mike White. Most quarterbacks, you'll see, they have a player prop of over, over 0.5 interceptions. And, you know, sometimes you hit it, sometimes you don't if you're going to include it in a parlay. However, Mr. Mike White, his over-under on interceptions, one and a half. I don't know if I've ever seen that. I don't – I would have – a one and a half interceptions if I was playing QB. I, I think I would too. And both of our shoulders would pop as soon as we threw a ball. I would throw one ball and throw two interceptions. Yes, <laughs> me too. And I've, I've, I've looked at the odds for some really bad quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, guys that throw multiple picks a game often. And it's always at 0.5. That's a huge telltale sign. 
Just to build on your Bengals defense, I said it on Tuesday, the Bengals in the last two offseasons have spent $230 million on their defense alone in free agency. And it shows they are a very good defensive team, and you don't even need to be if you want to walk in and beat the Jets. No, you don't. You don't. So I think the defense speaks for itself. If we move on to the offensive side of the ball for the Bengals, yep. I do have a pick for this game, and that's a touchdown for Mr. Samaje Pirine. Love don't, that pick. Don't know if I said it right. Mr. Pirine, the backup running back to Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon, everyone knows, he's a stud. He has been nursing an ankle injury. The last couple games, they've used him sparingly. They've matched Mixon's carries with Pirine. And what I mean by that, the last three games, or two games, sorry, that Pirine has dressed, 11 carries each game, 50, 55 yards per game. Joe Mixon has matched it. They've both had low teens, 11-12 rushes per game. Those games, P. Ryan has scored. And, and also, Rye, P. Ryan's been involved in the throwing game, too. In, the, in one of those two games where he also rushed 11 yards, uh, 11 rush attempts, 59 yards. He had four receptions for 24 yards. And last week, he had 11 rushes, and he had one catch for 23 yards. So this guy is involved in the passing game. And those weren't against bad defenses. Both no. Those stats we're giving you is a against Green Bay and Baltimore. So when I bet this this morning, I thought, wow, Rye, you're a sharp. Look at this backup running back with odds of plus 400. While Dylan and I are recording, I check on the app. It's down to plus 275. I was going to sprinkle it, but obviously Vegas is getting nervous. Yeah, and that's why he's on the show, guys. It's That's what it takes to win gambling bets is you got to be on the lines early. You got to be doing your research, and you also got to go with your feel. Rye obviously seen something in Samaj P. Ryan in fantasy, whether he was watching the game, whatever, and noticed something, and he turned it into gambling, possibly success here. He said plus 400 down to plus 260. The book's seen the value. So did Ryan. That's right. And, you know, we're pumping the Bengals' tires here. I think they're a good team, and I think they're a smart team. You see these smart teams, when they get up, they start resting their starters. They're they, well-coached. They rest the yep. guys that don't need to hurt themselves out there. Joe yep. Mixon is one of those guys, if the, the ankle's still bothering them, Look for the Bengals to get up early. Joe Burrow slinging it. They're going to run the ball. It might not be with Mixon. Look for P. Ryan. I was going to say, P. Ryan may have, he had 11 in the last couple games. He may have 15 in this one. Just to, and, and Mixon may have 11, just to give Mixon a couple. Like like everyone always says, this is the longest season the NFL has ever had with the 18th week this That's year. That's right. And if the Bengals are good, they're going to need him for the playoffs. So speaking of offensively, like I said, Betway, those scumbags that never sent me a t-shirt, they don't have any player props posted. Bet 365 does, and Jamar Chase is at plus 137 for a touchdown. I'm not giving it out as a pick, but I'm just saying that's damn enticing to me. The amount of times Burrow and Chase have connected for a bomb, oh. you think it's money against the Jets. Dude, and and just, just building on that point for a bomb, I think Jamar Chase has had multiple catches over 60 yards this year. If his over-under for receiving yards set at 70-75, how do you not hammer the over in that game, too? It only takes one catch for him. One catch. He could either do it on a deep bomb or like you saw it last week or the week yep. before. It was a slant. Yes, yeah, it was, what, 75 yards on a slant? The old college play. I'm faster than you. Yeah, and you can't tackle me. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> yep. So, like like I said here, I'm going to hammer in my pick that I'm giving you. It's a, it's a, a leg one of a parlay. And it's the over 43 in the Bengals and Jets game. Like I said, I simply think the Bengals hit this by themselves. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. I do have a pick, and I have a bit of a story with the pick. So I have the Bengals in a parlay with the Rams. When I was looking at the line, the Bengals were favored by 10.5. Favored by 10.5 screams one thing. 
backdoor cover. Yep. And I hate that. So I'm a type of guy that'll look at the alternative point spread and I'll pay for a couple points. So I got Cincinnati at nine and a half. I've had a little bit of resistance from people who talk about, you know, bet the spread, bet the spread. You know, that's what the that's Sharps what do. That's what the Vegas crew gives you. Mm-hmm. You know what Vegas also do? They win. They move the line. Yeah. Think yeah. like the house. Move yeah. the line yourself. Who cares if it's an extra couple bucks? Yeah. You're going to increase your winning percentage moving the line to protect yourself from this backdoor cover. Because let me ask you something. I'm going to paint you a picture. How many times have you been sitting on the couch on Sunday? Sun is shining. Football's on. Commercial free. You got a beer in one hand. You got a phone in the other. It's coming down to the wire. And you're sitting there thinking, I got a great team here. If everything just stays the same, I win. You got a low-end QB on a low-end team with low-end fans who start charging down the field, and you start thinking, uh-oh, this defense is just playing not to get hurt. Yep. And they score, and they ruin your parlay. On it's a shitty backdoor cover. Backdoor cover because you bet the line that Vegas gave you. Lions did that to me earlier this season. Everyone has a gambling story. This is mine from this season. I was on San Francisco. I believe it was in week one. San Francisco was up, I believe, by it was either 18 or 20 in the fourth quarter. Lions score a touchdown. I'm still okay on the spread. Lions do an onside kick. Get the onside kick. Lions go down, score a touchdown, lose by nine. I had the San Francisco 49ers by 10 and a half. It was absolutely insane. They put up 14 yeah. points, recovered an onside kick just to get a backdoor cover. It was like Dan Campbell had them on the spread. Stupidity. And you're sitting there thinking, how do they know? Vegas, yes. How do they know? How are they always right? Do yeah. I have the answer to that? No. But I do know when they start posting picks that kind of smell of backdoor cover, Go the other way. Yep. So Pick I, your own line. Yeah, make your own luck. Yep. Someone told me that before. I can't give them credit. But <laughs> you you got to think like the house. Buy those points. In my opinion, it, it increases your winning percentage. I've had success with it. So I'll give you the pick on this along with the P. Ryan touchdown. I got Cincinnati by 9.5, parlayed with the Rams at 13.5. Now, I bet this earlier, and I've seen that the lines move, so these odds might be a little better. That together got me at plus 180. Protected me from two backdoor covers on two games that should be blowouts. Yep. Bet good teams. I 100% agree. I went against myself earlier in the podcast. You heard me. I'm on the Eagles minus three and a half. And I said one of my cardinal rules is that you don't bet uh, like four bad teams to play a good game. This is just betting Cincinnati to play how they play. Yeah. Cincinnati puts up points. The Jets don't stop anybody. couple passing TDs. Yep. Um, when I was looking earlier as well, Joe Burrow, his over-under for passing touchdowns early is one and a half. I've been waiting to throw this pick out because if you remember earlier in the podcast, we were talking about Derrick Henry, his receiving yards, over 13 and a half. So I took Derrick Henry, I bet him solo, and then I also took him in a parlay, Derrick Henry, over 13 and a half receiving yards, with Joey B, over one and a half passing touchdowns, got you plus 200. Joey Biz, Derrick Henry, plus 200. I don't know if you could have two better guys for that. And also... The only thing that scares me is is he's going to have to throw those two touchdowns in the first half or else he's not going to have to throw again. I know that you want them to come out firing. Mm-hmm. If Cincinnati comes out and they look scary, happy. But, you know, Joe Burrow, I've, I've hit on a few similar mm-hmm. parlays with this with him before. I'm surprised that Vegas hasn't moved his over-unders at two and a half, like a lot of QBs, like you see yep. with the Brady, with the Stafford. Joe Burrow, they're sleeping on him. I, I 100% agree. He's absolutely elite. I did a power rankings of the top 10 quarterbacks last week, and I put right, Derek Carr at right. 10, but I did put an asterisk and said I wanted to put Joe Burrow here, watching him play. That guy is a stud. He plays just like he did at LSU, even though he's gotten his head taken off 
multiple times. Throat punch, bruised trachea. Yeah. <laughs> One of the yeah, was, that was a crazy stat. Just just now that you say that, never before have I seen a bruised throat injury in the league. There was two bruised throat injuries or bruised throat injuries in the same game in that week. Yeah, I don't know. They probably had a high voice there for the rest of the week. I don't, talking I don't like know. They sucked helium or something. Guys are doing the old WWE trick, just slash to the throat. Yeah. Quick. Um, so that, that's that game. My pick is the start of a parlay. It's the over 43 in the Bengals and Jets game. And like I said, we'll recap all the picks at the end so that you hear it. So we're going to move on. And it's perfect that Ryan brought up the alternative point spread because the second half of my parlay is actually, I want the alternative point spread. I get the Rams minus 10 and a half parlayed with that over 43 in the Cincinnati and uh, New York Jets game. The actual line, the Ram, it's moved again, just like Ryan said, the house moves the lines however they want it. However, they can get money in on both sides. That's how they move it. The Texans are plus 15 and a half point dogs on the spread, and they're plus 700 on the money line. Rams, minus 15 and a half point favorites, minus 1,075 on the money line. I think that's hilarious because there's a guy out there on Twitter named The Right Side that'll probably put make you pay for a pick on the money line that's minus 1,075 and then brag about it afterwards. Be like, oh, I hit this on the money line, minus 1,075, Rams versus the Texans. Congrats, buddy. We call that the penny slots. Yeah, you are a penny slot gambler, and I don't know why you have 25,000 followers. They should be mine. They should be Ryan's. We're taking them from you. I don't care. Block me on Twitter. Whatever. The over-under is set at this game at 46 and a half. And you know what? My only point that I want to say, the Texans couldn't cover a 20-point spread last week versus Arizona, and Arizona doesn't really cover the spread that often. They hit a lot of unders. They don't cover the spread. They couldn't cover a 20-point spread versus Arizona. No, and it's it's... The same thing this week. This is just going to be an exact repeat of what we saw last week. The Rams are dominant. They're for real. How many times have you heard online, on the television, that the Rams are somebody's Super Bowl pick or they're Super Bowl bound? These guys are for real. They're going to walk them. And, and you know what? And you're right. The things that they do well, they are absolutely elite. And that's what Super Bowl teams do well. You remember with the Bucks last year, one of their biggest strengths was their defensive line. What showed up in the Super Bowl game? Patrick Mahomes was running for his damn life because that defensive line showed up. The Los Angeles Rams are just like that in the passing game. They rank third in the league in passing yards per game, and they also rank fifth in the league in points per game, averaging 29.6 points per game. So the things that they do good, they do extremely well, almost the best in the league. Their offense is relentless. Dude, when you talk about weapons— People always talk about weapons, and I know that they, like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, maybe they're not, Daryl Henderson, they're maybe not necessarily household names, but even a guy like Van Jefferson, like those guys are really good. Van Jefferson is a great number three receiver. The Packers would love to have him last night. He would be the number one guy by a mile. He would have got 15 targets last night, and he's the number three, four option on that team behind Tyler Higby, Cooper Cup. Robert Woods, everybody. Crazy. It seems like Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford are best friends. Oh, they just, they eat breakfast together. They do yeah, everything. They brush their teeth together. They yep. wake up in the morning and they piss excellence is what I've heard. So yeah. <laughs> what I have for you is a question more for the end of the season. We know the Rams are going to walk Houston. What else do you have to say about that? You've heard Cooper Cup is on a torrid pace. This guy from what somebody said on ESPN, so I'm going to trust him, is on pace for 30 touchdowns, which is going to break the touchdown record by seven. Randy Moss, he's not touching my boy Randy Moss. Let's get real. However, do you expect him to keep going? He scored two touchdowns in four games this year. Is a bet, do we just bet him double touchdowns every single game? Because single touchdown, there's no value. Minus 150 to score this week. 
And you, you know what's funny is, to build off that, I got into that last season. You'll remember this as being my brother. I would text all the time. I got Devontae Adams to score two touchdowns. Or, you know what you do, is you go and you pick Devontae Adams, or in this case, Cooper Cup, to score the first touchdown because you know that every single game, they are trying to get him the ball in the end zone, and it very well may be that first drive of the game. First drive, you see Cooper Cup is all over the place with his overs on receptions, on oh, yards, yeah. on touchdowns. You know, and it and it's fun. You know, Cooper Cup is whether you play fantasy or if you're just watching football, you're always thinking, you know, that's a guy. He he's good, but he's not great. Put him with a good QB, mm-hmm. and it's elevating him. Oh, I 100% agree. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on: the Texans are 31st in run defense uh, in this in the league this season, allowing 145.7 yards per game on the ground this season. But that's just because everyone gets a huge lead on them and pounds the ball. But with that being the case, I would love the Daryl Henderson touchdown, Daryl Henderson overs. I think that guy goes for 100 yards. I don't care what his over-under sat. I'm not sending out as a pick. But the, I think he goes off because every running back goes off versus the Texans. Yeah, yeah, he's been good. Henderson has been very well, whether it's rushing or receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, look for him to run to run the ball, especially late. Yeah. You know, against the Texans. Second half, the whole second half, they might just have to run the ball. They might even put their backup quarterback in to save Stafford. He's not a young buck anymore, just like myself. No, he's not quite like you. The, the Rams here are kind of finishing in the easier part of their schedule, so I would look for them to really hone in the plays that are going to make a difference down the road. They've played New York, Detroit, and Houston their last three games, so mm-hmm. as you'd expect, destroyed them. Mm-hmm. After this game against Houston, their next three, Tennessee, San Francisco, Green Bay, then Jacksonville on December 5th. Who cares? The next three, Arizona, Seattle with Russ back, Minnesota. So they're gearing up for quite an important test mm-hmm. the rest of the way. They need to lock it in. I'm looking for them to come out flying, just like yep. we said Cincinnati against the Jets. They're getting ready for the stretch. And just like you said in the Cincinnati versus the Jets game, this is why I do like the alternative point spread in this game. I don't want even the chance of getting a backdoor cover on a 15.5 point spread, and that's why I'm all over the Rams on the alternative point spread at minus 10.5. Yeah, love it. I did two touchdowns minus 13.5. You can't go wrong with each. I think think they're going to win by two touchdowns easy. Uh 100%. So that's all I got for that game. Did you have another pick for that game? No, that was just the end of my Cincinnati Rams parlay. So to recap the picks in case, I don't know why you would be, but in case you're keeping track at home and you want to put it on your whiteboard, this is the young buck Dylan Kelly's picks. I got the uh, Titans on the money line at plus 110. That's the dog of the week backup because I also got the dog of the week Cowboys at plus 120. I also have the Eagles minus three and a half. I got a money line parlay. I got the Chargers minus 215 and the Bucks minus 220 on that parlay. I got a random parlay that just got thrown out there because I had one that hit last week behind the scenes and I figured I can't have another one where I don't put it out to the public and it doesn't hit. So then I got Rams alternative point spread, 10.5 points, uh, favored by 10.5, and the Cincy and New York Jets over 43. For me, we'll start back with the Titans. I got my boy Derrick Henry over 13.5 receiving yards. I also took that same prop and parlayed it with Joey Burrow over 1.5 passing touchdowns. Got you a nice little nice little payout there. I got Dylan's boy, Justin Herbert. Love it. Over 2.5 passing touchdowns against the Patriots. We got the newly nicknamed Piss Missile, Elijah Mitchell. Touchdown. Piss Missile. Touchdown versus the Bears, plus 137. Samaje Pirine, touchdown versus the Jets. That line's moving. Hop on it quick. Yes. If whatever you can get, I, I think it's I think it's a good look. 
Um, and then to end it, I got the alternative point spreads. Bengals minus nine and a half. Rams 13 and a half. Move the line. Act like the house. <laughs> I absolutely love it. That's why he's on the show, guys. I hope you wrote those down on the whiteboard. You can listen to it back. You can recap those bets. But Ryan, I do feel like a real sports show right now. We're both are going. Our phones buzz. We both look at it. We both give ourselves big eyes. I wish you could see it on the YouTube if I ever have one. But we both see it. Morgan Riley just signs an extension mid-podcast with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Eight-year extension. Average $7.5 million per season. The Leafs lock up Morgan Riley until he's about 36 years old. Ryan, you get the first take. What do you think? My first take was that I loved it. I've been a Morgan Riley fan. I mean, he's come on the scene since he was the fifth overall pick, and yep. he was a rookie. We've got to see him grow. He's been a big part of this team. I know we haven't had a lot of success with since he's been here, but I, I'm a Morgan Riley truther. I like Morgan Riley. I like him a lot. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's a true number one defenseman, so that's why he doesn't get the numbers like Seth Jones, Charlie McAvoy get. He really is not in those guys' league. He never will be. He never was. He's not going to get those numbers and I'm happy that he didn't so I guess in that sense I'm happy do I like that he's got that we got him for eight years and that you know may, when he's 34 or 33 and he's not playing very well because he's been declining the last few years and he starts to not play well are we going to be able to trade him with a 7.5 million dollar price tag I don't really know but maybe that's a Dubas is thinking that's not going to be my problem it might not be Dubas's problem. I don't have the actual breakdown of the contract in front of me because you know the Leafs do one thing, and it's give out bonuses on July 1st. Absolutely. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if this is another one where he's going to make three-quarters of his money in the first three years, and then he's going to have the Arizona Coyote special. Cap hit 7.5, but getting paid 1 mil. Yeah, I, I, I can see that too. In terms of production, I know he has fallen off the last three years. Um, he was really good in there with a guy that I guess doesn't get named in Toronto anymore, which for good reason, I don't like him, but Jake Gardner. I think he had, what was it, 72 points last time Jake Gardner was with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He had 72 points in 82 games in 2018 and 2019. Since then, he's fallen off. And this season, I don't know, I've watched him. He's looked okay, I guess. But like, like I said, he's not a true number one defenseman. The only last question I have on you for Riley does the $7.5 million price tag for a guy who's not a true number one defenseman, does that handcuff the Leafs in any way? Like, Because you already know what they're like in the salary cap. Yeah, I mean, you can't point at this contract being the one that handcuffs you. It's not the double digits. I agree with you. I think part of the problem is when Morgan Riley had that breakout year in 18 and 19 when he had 72 points, remember, he had 20 goals that year. Yeah. Everybody expected that's the new bar. Mm -hmm. He hasn't been putting the puck in the back of the – in the back of the net the last couple of years. So everyone's thinking, wow, this guy stinks. I disagree. I disagree. I think that year was a bit of an anomaly. The Leafs and himself were on fire. Let me read you off some stats the years before. Morgan Riley, eight goals, nine goals, six goals, six goals, 20 goals, three goals, five goals. He's not even a 10-goal guy, let alone a 20-goal guy. That was a fluky season in terms of production, in terms of everything. In, ter in terms of goals... So, you know, look to him being the 30 to 40 point guy. He's going to be running the power play. However, Sheldon Keith is liking his boy, Rasmus Sandin. They might split time. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that's been reliable. He hasn't been injured. He skates like the wind. He's a leader there. I do like it. Seven and a half. I don't think it's overpayment. They might have had to overpay in terms of years. Mm -hmm. That eight years is always a lot, especially like you said, you're getting into the mid 30s. But remember, he's only 27. You're, you're not paying him for those years when he's 35 and 36. You're paying for him right now. He's going to help you win the team. 
my thing is with this Morgan Riley deal, I could gripe about the the contract, but what Ryan said is true. This isn't the one that's going to handcuff you. And if he went to free agency, I think he gets this exact same contract, if not more, from another team. So what what's the big deal? The one thing I will say, the last point on this, do you think that this solidifies that Mitch Marner is going to be traded? Because they're going to have to trade one of those double-digit guys out of the salary cap if they want to bring him back next season. You can't have Morgan Riley and all of those Nylander, Matthews, Tavares, and Marner all on the salary cap. I think Dubas is married to those guys, and Dubas is going to get fired before one of those guys get traded. That's that's my thought on it. Well, that's fair. I mean, you go against the Tuesday hot take, which is what a good guest wouldn't do. Do your goddamn <laughs> research. Anyways. Read the game notes, bud. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that's all we got. I want to thank Ryan for coming on the podcast. Go follow him on everything. Just look him up. He's going to be retweeting the pod. He's going to be doing everything. Look him up. Thank you, Ryan, for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure. I'd love to have you on anytime that you want. Good luck out there, folks. <laughs> That's all we got, and we'll see you another time. Peace!